If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Story time. 
I have had three different encounters with three different creatures. I know what I saw. When I was younger, I saw what looked like a wolf or a big German shepherd on its hind legs, running through a very thick patch of woods. It only happened for a second, but I remember the long muzzle and pointed ears distinctly. The second encounter was more exciting. It was late at night, after a small barbecue or party at my uncle's farm, miles north of Ann Arbor. I was coming out of the barn to get some more food when I heard sticks breaking in the tree line to my right. My first impression was that one of the dogs got outside, so I went to see if that was the case. I walked towards the sound and remember hearing the creature flinch because the movement stopped as I approached. I called out for the golden retriever and peered into the trees. The barn had spotlights facing the house, and with the white paint job on it, they created a glow that allowed me to see better. About seven feet off the ground, a long muzzle poked through the trees, followed by the full figure of this creature. It was only 20 feet away from me, so I got the full picture. It was tall and lean but very muscular. It had a distinct brown pelt on its body, with blackish fur on its shoulders. It had huge paws for feet, but its hands looked like they had five fingers, so they resembled long human hands, except for the fur and claws on them. Its head was the scariest. This thing had a huge set of canines. It looked like it was snarling, but I believe it was trying to smile. I couldn't make out exactly what its eye color was because of how dark it was, but they pierced into my soul. As the creature came into full view, I remember saying out loud to myself, werewolf. I backed up slowly, and the creature stood there, like a proud man standing over a deer he had hunted. It watched me for about 30 seconds, but it felt like 30 minutes. That's when my father, uncle, cousin, and grandfather all came out of the barn. When I tell you this thing ran, I mean it ran. It turned around, dropped to all fours, and leapt into the forest, making only a slight noise. I told my cousin about it, but he didn't believe me. I knew my father wouldn't believe me because he doesn't believe in anything. Four days ago, in my own backyard, the same type of creature knocked on my window. My curtains were drawn to give me a view of the woods. I live in the middle of a patch of woods, near a fire road. I wasn't asleep yet and couldn't describe what was wrong, but I felt uneasy. I was trying to sleep when I heard a slight scrape at the house wall, below my window. My window is eight feet off the ground. When I sat up in bed to see what was going on, I saw the head of what I can only describe as a werewolf in my window, which is only 10 feet from my bed. I cursed, jumped up, turned on the light, and grabbed the survival machete I had in my closet. I turned to see if it was still there, but it had disappeared. The next day, I went out to see if I could find any tracks or anything that might prove what I saw, but I never found a thing. For about a day, I was unsure of myself. Then I heard about your radio show and decided that I should tell someone who can get the word out about it. Last week my son, Caden, was in Ohio and saw both a Sasquatch and a dog man on our uncle's family's property, to be exact, it was his brother's. The brother, Rocky, has been hearing howls coming from the woods and has shot into them several times. My son's cousin, Jersey, also saw a dog man walking towards Rocky's house and they saw shadows at the family cemetery. I'm trying to get permission from them to investigate. Caden says when Hess deer hunting he hears walking, knocks, grunts and growls. A year or two ago, something scared the alpacas or llamas our aunt had, on her part of the property, and when the one was found, it was torn apart, they said a bear did it, I believe otherwise from what I was told. He did send me this picture of a tree. We found a nice steep hill, we could go sledding. We climbed up to the top and we found the top of that hill was another steep hill. So we climbed up to the top of that one and on the top of that one, sitting at another angle to it, was a third steep hill. So we were in hog heaven, we were like, man, we're gonna make the ultimate luge run ever. It was about in the twenties today, 
the snow's kinda melty, and we can make this really great sledding run, it's gonna be awesome. So we spent all afternoon making this awesome sledding run with supers and embankments and everything on it. So we said, it's too wet to use it now. We have to come back after it freezes again. So, two days later it was 20 below and it was afternoon, second week in February, 1972. And we said, well, let's go back and go sledding now. It's super cold, it's Friday, school's out, awesome, we'll get in some sledding all day. And we took off with our little sleds and we went back there. Well, each of us made two runs down the hill and we had started out in such a way that I can't remember which one of us got to the top first but one of us was going down the hill while the other one was only about halfway up the second hill. So, when one was at the top, the other was at the bottom working our way up. And it was going back and forth. When it was my turn, I was up at the top and I put my little sled down. I had a 5 or 6 foot rut right up to the edge of this really steep first hill. And I looked back behind me and all that was on this hill was just barren hardwood trees, mostly smaller ones. A few popples and there was one really huge black spruce that was about 40 feet away from me. I turned around, I was about to jump on my sled but something just didn't seem right, so I turned back and I looked again. I'm 13 years old. I'm not that observant. I'm like, something just looks different, and again something in the back of my head went that's just not right. That's not right. So I turned around and I looked. That black spruce only has one trunk, not three. And those two extra trunks have fur on them, well, hair, really long hair. Long gray hair. What's got long gray hair? Is there some kind of snow pants with long hair or something? Ah. It must be somebody pranking me. So I looked up above to where, you know, a teenager or even an adult would be, like maybe 5 or 6 feet, but there were just pine branches there. Then I noticed rustling up above that about 3 more feet so I looked up above that and up at 9 feet, there was this face looking at me and it had its hands like this, mimics holding tree branches apart with his left hand, lower branch, and his right hand, upper branch, while peering through holding one branch apart at the top and the bottom, peering down at me and it went, mimics a wide open mouth grin, and it grinned. And its face did not look even remotely human. It had a flat nose with two little slits, it had a big thick brow ridge, receding forehead. It was hard to see from up here. I don't know if it had a crest or not because that's where the branch was. When it grinned, I could see all of its teeth. It had upper and lower canines and all of its teeth in its mouth and the front that I could see were all sharp so it was obvious to me this thing was a predator. I found out after the fact actually the only time a great ape would bare its teeth at something is when it's trying to scare it so basically it was saying, this is one of the weapons I will use to tear you apart. So at the time, not knowing that but being plenty scared anyway, I leapt on my sled and flew down that hill as fast as I could. I was just gonna get away from the monster. About halfway down the hill, my friend was walking up and saw me coming and he said, I didn't even have to guess what was going on, I just saw your face was white, your eyes were bulging and you said, run like hell. So I jumped on my sled and I was right behind you. Now when I got to the end of the fire lane, back at the house, it was about 3 miles away. I was about 15 minutes if that. For about 10 of those minutes, I was standing there going, where was I just at? I'm not waiting for Dave. Why am I waiting for Dave? I had hysterical amnesia and completely forgot that whole incident for two years. And finally at one point, my friend Dave, we had this little gathering with me, him, and three or four other friends and he said, remember that time we went sledding out there at the end of the fire lane? I'm like, no, he said. Yeah, we went across that bog and we found those really steep hills, the three of them stacked up? And I'm like, no. And he goes, yeah, and you were coming down the hill really fast and you said run like hell. Boom. And it all came back. For like a month, I wouldn't talk to him because it was so traumatic. Actually, 
I'm still getting treated for post-traumatic stress to this day and that's one of the things I'm being treated for. When you're 13 years old and you see a 9-foot predatory monster which turns out to be the Wendigo, after a few decades of studying, it's not a comforting thing. And it also ruins your belief in authority figures and your parents who told you there's no such thing as monsters. There's a friggin' monster out there. Don't tell me there's no such thing as monsters. And I see bears all the time. I live a mile from the county dump. There are three or four of them in my yard every week during the summer so it isn't like I'm mistaking it. This is in the middle of winter, second week in January, 20 below, so bears aren't gonna be up wandering around anyway. Plus, they are not 9 feet tall. With 8 to 10 inch grayish white hair, especially in Minnesota. It did have claws on its hand which is another thing that threw me. It took me years to figure that one out because all the Bigfoots they show didn't have claws or anything like that. This incident happened in October 1988 and has seemed to only come back to me over time. For years I thought it was a vivid dream. But now I am wondering if this really happened to me and if it was blocked from my memory when it happened. My father and I were bow hunting for deer on the border of Illinois and Wisconsin near Joe Davies County, Illinois. I was 15 years old at the time of this event. I had a deer come under my tree stand and take a shot. I waited for my father to return to my tree stand as he was about a mile away in his own tree stand. This was well after dark. I told him that I had taken a shot and we proceeded to follow the blood trail together. As we were walking through the field following the trail, I observed a violet light hovering over the tree line going from left to right. I told my father and he didn't pay much attention because he was following the blood trail and told me to quit messing around. I shined my flashlight at the light and it darted off toward the woods very fast. After some time the trail stopped and my father said we would resume the search in the morning but he thought I probably had a brisket shot, too low and wasn't going to get the deer. That night we ate dinner cooked by the Coleman stove and got ready for bed in the back of his old 1973 Chevy pickup. It had a metal cab on the back and I remember windows on the side and in the back. My dad snored loud and I remember him snoring that night. As I was lying in the back of the truck at some point in the night or early morning, I remember having a frightening feeling that someone was watching me to the point I didn't want to open my eyes. I did and through the side, window saw what I think was the big-eyed large head gray looking back at me. I closed my eyes again and heard what was like a mechanical voice telling me, we are not going to hurt you. Then something made me open the back window of the truck cab and get out. When I did I observed three short and two taller big head big-eyed aliens and a disc-shaped craft landed in the field about 200 feet from the truck. I remember the little ones touching my fingers and leading me toward the craft and saying, do not be scared in a mechanical voice that seemed to be in my head. That is all I remember. I woke up in the back of the truck thinking it had been only a vivid scary dream, but it has bothered me since it happened. To this day when I see an image on TV or other of a big head, big-eyed gray alien it sends chills down my spine. This took place in Western North Carolina in July 2021. The weekend this happened I headed to an area in the vicinity of the Great Smoky Mountains near Waynesville in Haywood County for a solo camping trip. At that time in my life, I needed to be alone to get away and clear my head, after being cooped up for the last two years or so. I drove there on a Friday night and had an uneventful first evening setting up camp and then I hit the sack early. I got up about 5.30 am the next morning and I didn't waste any time heading out since I wanted to beat most of the midday summer heat. All was good for a while until I was hiking up a steep trail. I was huffing and puffing. When I stopped to catch my breath I saw a dog way off in the distance. At first, it didn't even really register with me but it was coming my way and as it got closer I became aware of how much larger it was than other dogs usually are and it was moving along using only its back legs. It had grayish brown fur and it was massive, easily the size of a bear. I was totally confused because I realized that it was upright, 
I looked around to see if anybody else was on the trail but it was just me and this thing on this mountain trail in the middle of nowhere. The fear started to set in as I began to fully understand the seriousness of this situation. I didn't know what this creature was and I had no idea if it would attack me. Thoughts started creeping into my mind of all the things that might possibly happen but I stood my ground and I didn't flinch hoping that if I didn't make any movement it would just go away. It was soon within a hundred feet of me, but then it stopped. It stared at me with its piercing eyes and I swear it was talking to me. I just knew it I could sense my fear and confusion. This creature didn't seem angry, just curious like the way a dog would come running up to you frantically and then just stop and look at you and then just turn around and walk away. But it didn't retreat. Then it left the trail and it headed out where I soon lost sight of it. At that point I smelled the odor of sulfur, so strong that I felt the urge to retch right there on the trail. I started to feel faint, so I sat down on a nearby log to catch my breath. As I sat there, I tried to make sense of what had just happened. I was dizzy and disoriented. I just kept thinking about the dog creature. It had just walked up to me and looked at me like it knew what I was thinking. This powerfully built creature could have easily killed me and yet it didn't even seem at all like it wanted to do that. I think it just wanted to see me up close or check me out. Even though I can't remember every second of the encounter I still can't get it out of my head. It comes back to me in waves, like flashbacks. The entire encounter probably only lasted a minute or two but looking back on it I felt like it happened in slow motion, taking forever. In some ways I even find myself doubting that it happened. I took a huge drink of water. I was skeptical of my own eyes and thought that maybe I had hallucinated the encounter due to dehydration. After that, I turned around headed back to my campsite, fixed something to eat, and hung out a bit longer. But, eventually, I decided not to stay another night so I packed it up and headed back home. I still can't say for sure what that creature was. I know that I'm still alive to tell the tale which means it wasn't angry. I will say that my funk ended after that incident, and I have a totally different view of life. I'm John, so my team of hunters and I ventured deep into the state hunting ground. I led the group, an experienced bunch, on a mission to hunt deer and stags, our rifles loaded and our senses sharpened for the hunt. The woods were thick, with towering trees that seemed to reach for the heavens. The leaves rustled in the wind as we made our way through the underbrush. The forest had always held a certain mystique for me, but I had no inkling of the dark secrets it concealed. As we pressed further into the woods, we stumbled upon something that would change the course of our hunt forever. Amidst the dense trees and overgrown vegetation, we came upon an abandoned asylum. Half-wrecked and ruined, it sent a chill down our spines. It was as if the very air around us grew colder. Curiosity peaked, we cautiously approached the decrepit building. It appeared to have been abandoned for decades, its windows shattered and walls crumbling. As we ventured inside, our flashlights illuminated the eerie interior. Broken furniture lay strewn about, and the walls were covered in layers of decay but it was the cages that caught our attention. Rusty and foreboding, they lined the corridor like sinister sentinels. My heart sank as I realized that someone, or something, had been held captive here. The question that nodded our minds was why? What kind of creatures or cryptids had been kept in these cages? We pressed on, deeper into the asylum's labyrinthine passages, our unease growing with every step. The evidence of a secret laboratory hidden within the facility became increasingly apparent. Strange machines and scientific equipment lay in disarray, while cryptic notes and diagrams littered the floor. Then, in the dim glow of our flashlights, it appeared before us, an unknown cryptid, unlike anything we had ever seen. It stood tall and menacing, its emaciated form covered in matted, grayish fur. Its eyes glowed an eerie shade of green, seemingly devoid of any emotion. But what struck us most were the grotesque deer antlers that sprouted from its skull and its animal-like teeth. I raised my hunting rifle, and the others followed suit. Stop, I shouted, 
our voices echoing through the decaying asylum. The creature, this windigo-like being, screeched, an unearthly sound that sent shivers down our spines. And then, in a terrifying blur of movement, it lunged at us. The impact knocked us off our feet, sending us sprawling across the dirty, cracked tiles of the asylum floor. The creature was upon us, its breath foul and rancid as it gnashed its teeth inches from my face. We fought desperately to push it away, but it was unnaturally strong. Then, out of sudden, the Windigo managed to break free from our grasp, and with another blood-curdling screech, it vanished into the darkness of the asylum. Leaving us in stunned silence. As we slowly rose to our feet, battered and bruised, we exchanged wide-eyed glances, unable to comprehend the reality of what we had just witnessed. Breathing heavily, we contemplated our next move. Should we report this sighting to the authorities, or keep it a secret, knowing that no one would believe us? What do you think? I was part of a military patrol convoy en route through eastern Tennessee on a routine training regiment when we came across some weird cries going throughout the wilderness. To be honest, it sounded like an animal of some kind that was being tortured to death, its cries were horrendous. Now, I am far from a macho tough guy, but there's no way I'm leaving an animal suffering in pain for who knows how long. If it's humanly possible to put the poor thing out of its misery, I took it upon myself to investigate. I talked with one of my squad mates about our options on the best way to get close enough to see what was going on without spooking whatever might have made these noises or catching any hostile attention. He agreed that keeping low and sticking as close as possible would be the smartest approach, since whoever or whatever was making these noises wasn't exactly close to the road we were patrolling. I was kind of surprised at how deep into the forest we'd come but orders were orders, and there was a mission to accomplish. Nobody wanted to do it any more than me, although none of us especially enjoyed being soldiers. Anyway, it should have been no surprise that somebody raised their hand to volunteer for what I knew would be a crappy job by anybody's standards. The other soldier who volunteered with me was tough as nails, as well as being utterly fearless under fire, as you can expect from an ex-marine. We made our way toward where those awful sounds seemed to be coming from until the sobbing began. Now, things went from bad to worse, as we felt like we were being watched in conjunction with all those noises. We never found a trace of the noises, but they kept persistently going on throughout the entire route of the convoy, like they moved along with the vehicle, which was a pretty unsettling feeling altogether. At some points during the travels, the screams were turned into this wailing, as if it was a woman being murdered, while other times it would turn into the sound of a screaming cat or even a goat or a rabbit, like it was about to die. Various animal noises that would change and go back and forth into. I don't know. I'm beginning to think that this wasn't an animal, that it was something trying to lure us out of the convoy. I've told this story to a few friends of mine, and while most of them are creeped out, some of them have their own speculations. Like one of my other friends, he's a full-blooded Cherokee. He believes that what we had encountered that night was a skinwalker who was following us. I had to actually learn what a skinwalker is, and I'm not sure if skinwalkers are specific to Navajo culture or not, but either way, they're these beings who can shapeshift, and I'm thinking that's exactly what was happening that night. We were being followed by a witch that, for whatever reason, wanted us to leave the safety confines of our convoy and venture out just far enough by luring us with these cries of an animal before he or she could get us. Now, what their intentions were with us, I'm not sure, but it was very unsettling. Even making it 100 or so yards off the convoy, things felt dangerous, like we should retreat back to our safety zone. And even when we did, we didn't make it very far. We've done this route several times, and this is the one and only time I've ever heard these noises. This is also the one and only time I've heard of these noises following us for the amount of miles it did, which is very disturbing in its own right. It just reinforces the belief that this certainly was something and not just an animal crying in pain wanting to die. For if it was, the noises would have ceased eventually. 
but to follow us as many miles as it did, something was certainly wrong. Anyway, I'm writing this because I wanted to know your take on things. Could this certainly be a skinwalker or some other sort of demonic being? Or was this actually maybe just an animal crying out for help? And maybe we just mistook the sounds for the way they were carrying out and reverberating throughout the wilderness? I'm still not sure, but I'd love to find out for sure. I've never posted anything on Reddit before, but I saw a lot of people had written about encounters they have experienced and wanted to share mine. This was about 11 years ago, I was 17 at the time. This also took place in Finland a little after midnight. I can't remember what month it took place but it was dark so it could have been in spring or winter. I also want to mention I lived in an apartment which my room was on the third floor. My room had a huge window that had access to the roof. I was messaging a friend on Facebook when I heard what I thought was a mope driving by so of course I ignore it. I remember feeling this fear wash over me and the feeling wouldn't go away. I had this feeling for a couple of days before the encounter. I heard the moped again, but this time I realized it wasn't a moped. It sounded like a man's voice but not fully human. The sound got closer and sounded like it was saying triple A like ghostly and chilling. I was still messaging my friend when the sound reached my window. I see out of the corner of my eye there was a pale faceless creature that appeared at my window. I quickly messaged my friend that I had to go. I was too scared to stay there so I ran out of my room to my mother's room. She was mostly asleep when I told her I saw something scary at my window. So I don't think it registered with her. I crawled under her blankets and felt something tap my nose. I was too scared to look. I had other encounters, but this was the scariest and I still have no idea what it was. Ever since this encounter my bedroom always have curtains so I don't see what's outside. This happened a couple nights ago. My girlfriend and I were driving home from a concert we went to Ohio to see. It was probably around 1am and we were on some rural backroads our GPS told us to take. There were houses with lots of open fields between them, and the road was pretty hilly. As we were coming up the hill, our headlights lit up a field to my left, I was driving, and I saw something strange. I saw what appeared to be a tall, lanky but strong black figure run on two legs from one end of the field to the other. Kind of going the opposite direction we were going, and at an angle. Like it was trying to cut into some woods off in the distance. Even its run looked off. It looked like something that didn't quite remember how to run on two legs. Despite that, it was fast too, because I only saw it for a second or two before it disappeared. I asked my girlfriend if she saw it, but she said she didn't. I explained what I saw and she believed me. We tried to rationalize it by saying maybe it was a tree or something playing some weird light trick on us. But the vibe I got from seeing that thing was really off. It felt like I saw something I wasn't supposed to be. Like that whatever was there shouldn't have been. Was this a cryptid of some sort, or were the headlights just messing with me? So I when I was still living with my parents when I was younger, I slept in the living room. We didn't have a big apartment so they had the one bedroom. I didn't mind, the living room had the big television and the pull-out couch was comfy enough. So one night I'm lying down watching some adult swim when I begin to drift off. I turn my body over to get more comfortable but I had this feeling like I didn't want my back facing the dining room and kitchen area. At this point, the TV is providing the only light in the apartment and it was big enough that it provided some light into the kitchen and dining area. Well, when I turned to face the dining area at this point, after that uncomfortable feeling I saw something that made my heart drop. I saw what appeared to be a figure standing just outside the entrance to the kitchen, next to the dining room table. Now in that apartment there's a tiny step to step up to into the dining area and after I rubbed my eyes to make sure I was truly seeing what I was seeing, the shadow figure took a step down the tiny step from the dining area. 
I never moved so fast in my life and I jumped out of my bed and flipped the light on next to the pull-out couch as fast as humanly possible. The figure was about 5-10 6 feet tall and totally featureless. Just shadow looking. With the light on in the living room, now illuminating most of the apartment I kept my eyes locked on the dining area. I didn't move from my spot the rest of the night and frankly was quite frozen with fear. My mom eventually woke up in the middle of the night to use the bathroom and asked me what was wrong and what happened. She chalked it up to the really bad nightmare but I knew what I saw. I've only had one other confirmed encounter with this being and two I'm not 100% sure but I think it is the same creature. The other confirmed sighting happened about 3 or 4 years after when I was back visiting from college. I was playing video games late when something told me to look behind me, it just felt like there were eyes on me. Well, I turn around and there it is. I yelled and flipped on the light again as fast as I could and again it disappears. The morning after this happened I sat my parents down and we spoke about it. They claim to have never seen this being and they don't feel any oppressive force in the apartment, but they assured me they believe me and they wanted me to feel safe there. These two encounters are not confirmed as the being but I think relate to it. I had an ex-girlfriend sleeping over and I was watching TV while she played her Nintendo Switch. She claimed to me something that sounded like a yell came from the kitchen area and she was really freaked out. Mind you, I didn't hear this one because I had my video game headset on but she was so freaked out it didn't seem like she was lying. Finally, I was on the phone late one night with a friend from Atlanta and we were just talking and catching up. I had fallen asleep on the phone at one point and I woke up with my phone almost dead and a voicemail from my friend. She claimed that after I fell asleep she heard a violent scream on the other end of the line and thought something bad had happened to me. I called her back and thankfully she was still awake and she told me something screamed that sounded terrifying and it didn't sound anything like me. Mind you this scream never woke me up and the TV was not on. I was always on the fence with the supernatural and paranormal but these events made me a true believer. Edit, I was asked for date and location of the post. The location is Brooklyn, New York around the Prospect Park area to be more precise. And dates, first encounter around 2010, second encounter around 2014, the ex-girlfriend staying over was around early 2018 and the Atlanta call was late 2018. One so this takes place in California in my old house in Pacoma around 2007 or 2008. When I was 3 or 4 I remember I was in our living room pretending to play football with my little Peter Piper's foam football while my older brother was in the bedroom playing NFL Street. I don't know why but I looked to my left outside and all of a sudden I see this thing outside the kitchen window. The best I can describe it is that it was wearing a brown suit and tie but it was headless, no relation to Slender Man, and then after that the power went out and it disappeared what happened afterwards I always forget but everything else I can remember so clearly. In 1996, in Modesto, California, not sure what street I lived on, when I was little, I was haunted by this ghost I dubbed Goldie, but because I was three I don't really remember anything about him, except for the stories my mom and my godmother would tell me. Like, how he would chase me into the kitchen and I would hide under the kitchen table to get away from him, or how the house would smell like something was decaying and rotten and it also smelled like something was burning randomly throughout the day. Anyway, that's to give context about this house I lived in, when I was about three years old. I have a clear memory of walking into my kitchen to get something to drink when I noticed a tall figure behind me, but this figure had the head of a vulture, eyes of a man, hands of man, but it wore a long black robe, and it was tall. It also held a staff in its hand, and its skin was pale and veiny all over, and it had a really large beak and bald head, and I remember seeing the feathers around its neck where its neck began. The visual I have of this creature has never left my mind, and what makes it more confusing is that I felt no fear nor ill will coming from this creature. A part of me assumed it was like an angel, or something benign, 
or if it was sinister it clearly had no intentions towards me. I just remember it was looking at me, and it had this calmness that made me feel super relaxed and comfortable around it. I then grabbed a juice and ran past it into the living room and then that's when I can no longer remember anything. I still have dreams where I walk into the kitchen but I'm older and that creature is still there. I always felt like it was real and I think I always will, because it's the only memory I have that stands out to me when I was 3 years old. I can perfectly describe the kitchen of that house to my mom too which sometimes fierks her out, because of how young I was, and how we only lived there for like 5 months lol. Anyway this is just something I wanted to share. Also, one last thing, I've tried googling to figure out if there is lore about creatures or paranormal beings that look like what I described and have found nothing, so it's kind of annoying, in my little mind back then, I thought what I saw was God or at least a god, and I'm not very religious so I don't mean to offend anyone by saying that last bit. Location. Pena Blanca, Puerto Rico date, early July 1989 time, 1800. A local angler, Orlando Katake was returning from fishing in the beach area when he noticed a group of bright white points of light hovering and turning just above the ground nearby. The man chased the lights and suddenly lost them behind a small tree. As the witness walked behind the tree he came upon two very tall men standing next to a boulder on the ground. One held his hand on his chest and told the witness not to approach, Suddenly there was a flash of light and the witness felt paralyzed unable to move. The two men were described as very tall and identical in appearance, with light skin, blue eyes and light brown shoulder length hair, they were well built and strong. They both wore brilliant white tunics with an open v-neck. They spoke to the witness and warned him of a coming catastrophe, they said that the earth was going to become a cold desolate planet once more. He was then told to turn around and remain still. He then felt a heat blast behind him and saw a bright flash. The two men had disappeared. Later at home he realized that he had lost three hours of time and could only remember seeing a long sleek submarine-like object that used energy from the water for its propulsion. My father and brother are or were dock builders in the New York City area. Dock builders work closely with hard hat divers, they're even in the same union. One of the divers was following a cable along the bottom in the East River in zero visibility. He came across something on top of the cable two soft cylindrical things he followed them up with his hands till they met at a larger soft mass that sloped upward to a hard round object. He felt around the round object until his thumb sank all the way into the eye sockets. He immediately called to be pulled up and the police were called. A cable was put under the arms to lift the poor sap out of the river. The cable lifted, caught for a minute and then came free. The guy had cinder blocks on his feet and was quite overripe. Classic case of the old cement shoes. The diver threw his expensive gloves into the river. I got a lot of good nauseating dock builder stories. I was stationed on the USS America, CV-66, during Vietnam as a photo interpreter. Every man on the ship, at one point or another, has mid-watch at various posts around the ship. My mid-watch duty post for the transition was on the starboard side, on a gantry suspended below the superstructure. I was standing on a metal grate, 20 feet below the island and about 5 to 10 feet away from the outswell of the main hull as it curved up to meet the flight deck. The water was visible through the metal grate, some 60 feet below me. We were transitioning the Sunda Strait, steaming from Subic Bay on our way to Yankee Station off the coast of Vietnam. Now, it being wartime, at night we ran silent and dark. Basically this means that the ship was moving at a slow enough speed to not make any discernible wake, and the only lights visible were the red or green lights at the bow and stern and a white light at the top of the tallest radio mast. So, here I am, pitch black, dead of night, no moon, 
standing on a catwalk some 60 feet off the water when I see a strange light coming from the water ahead of us, probably 10 to 15 feet away from the side of the ship. The light wasn't making any substantial movement and seemed to be flickering in the darkness, so I got curious and decided to wait. As we came closer I could see what it actually was, a little old man of indeterminate Indonesian heritage sitting in a dugout canoe with what appeared to be his grandson, their terrified faces backlit by a simple fish oil lamp, mouths agape. In a moment, I felt my perspective shift. Here I was, with my grandson, doing God only knows what, miles from shore on a moonless night. I can't see what it is, but I feel an imposing presence passing by me. A low thrum that I can feel more than hear, as the stars are winking out, blocked from my vision by something huge passing directly overhead. They just sat there, visibly terrified, as they passed close by under my feet. And I watched them as we went by. They never moved any closer to the ship than they had been at the outset, and the only disturbance was when the very slight wake from the stern caused the little winking light to bob up and down, ever so gently, before the little old man and his dugout canoe disappeared from view. My family has been deep sea fishing ever since I can remember. One trip we were fishing off the 60 mile bank off San Diego, fishing spot way out in the ocean, and hooked into a really frenzied bite of rockfish. Back in those days limits on rockfish were pretty high and people were pulling them in hand over fist. The captain got on the horn and basically told everyone to start reeling in your lines because we were being run off the fishing spot. I thought maybe the Mexican authorities had told us to move, or we were moving to a new spot, but five minutes later the USS Ranger hove into view running hot fighter takeoffs and landings. They didn't want to change course to go around us, and we didn't want to move off a great fishing spot that 100 people were filling limits of beautiful rock caught on. Ultimately the law of the sea won of course, which is, when a USN supercarrier tells you to move, you move. It was really cool actually because they just slipped by very close to us and we got to watch F-14s land, and get fired off the cat. The boat was chartered by my father and full of all his old Navy buddies, so the story started about Nam and all the guys who worked at North Island Naval Station talking about which carrier captains were DCKS and which were cool. We jumped right back on the fish after they blew through, and they ran us off that same spot two more times that day. It was a beautiful day on the sea, great fishing as everyone got limits of super tasty fish, and we had our own private moving air show, where the fighter jockeys got to show their stuff. US Navy vet here. Back in 2005 while on the USS Harper's Ferry LSD-49 we were deployed near Thailand and one time at night, about 2 a.m., we saw what looked like huge green glowing orbs under the water about 10 to 50 feet across scattered all over the entire ocean as far as we could see. The green glowing orbs would pulsate on and off like some underwater alien orb or UFO. As we drove through them it would turn the green glow into blue and the glow would ride the waves. At that point we realized it was massive concentrations of bioluminescent algae that we were driving through. Definitely one of the coolest things I've ever seen in my life. Late, but I've got two quick ones, my friend and I were fishing, in a 20 boat just inside the Skyway Channel in Tampa Bay. I lost my bait so I set another shrimp on and half cast it over the side. The weight only dropped maybe 6 feet and started sliding to stern. I looked down and saw grayish white spots. We were drifting and there was a manna drifting along underneath us. It wasn't longer than the boat but it was way wider. It hung out for a minute or two then swam away. Not scary, I actually thought about diving in and swimming with it but I didn't have my fins mask or snorkel. My friends and I used to gig stingrays and use them to catch big sharks in the bay, I'm talking full liters and stout tarpon rods with big tests. We'd catch big hammerheads 10 to 12 ft but we didn't dare bring them close, just cut the line and start boasting. 
One night I hooked something, I tried to set the hook and whatever it was didn't budge. One of my buddies pulled up the anchor and that thing pulled us 3 to 4 miles at around 2 knots. Through Gandhi Bridge straight through the center pass. Never came up nor dived. Never sped up nor slowed down. It acted like we weren't even there. We voted and decided we did not want to know what it was, so I cut my line. This was 30 years ago and these guys are still my friends. Sometimes, if we're hammered, we still come up with possibilities. Still haven't come up with a viable one. I am a fire park ranger in Alberta, Canada. This will be a series of events that happened to me over the past five years of service. This isn't normal for me to write my feelings online, but someone close to me said that I should try. I already have a lot of trouble explaining what happened, so please bear with me. I've been a fan of no sleep for the past five years. Basically since the first night shift I took here in the watchtower. My job is simple, I either sit in the weather tower or the watchtower. Either way, I spend my day watching one the most beautiful views one can see. Mountains, lakes and miles and miles of forest. During the night, it's like being in space, I can't see anything except the stars and the moon shining through the tower. My tasks are to respond to problems near by the tower, day or night, and watch for any signs of smoke. I am trained to respond to service call or wolf call, deploy and investigate alone. I prefer working nights if you ask me. Something with the way things are during the night, makes me want to just sit down and relax. That's when I started reading stories on no sleep. At first it made me a little uneasy with where I was, since I work alone in a tower that moves a little every time the wind blows. Every time the tower shakes, it feels like someone is climbing up the ladder. I lost count of the nights that I sat right next to the entrance door paranoid. After a while I got used to the ambience and I got really comfortable with my work. Maybe a little too much. This blog will tell you stories in a series of posts of my most awkward and weird events that happened to me in the past five years. So ladies and gentlemen, sit tight, hold on to your beer or coffee and be prepared to be entertained in the most terrifying way possible. A bit too much? March 17, 2015, 10.45 PM. My shift starts usually at 10.30 but that night I was a little late. I had already called in to tell them I'd be a couple of minutes late so I wasn't really rushing to get there. To get to my tower, I have to drive a good 20 minutes in a dense forest at maybe 20 kilometers an hour. Then I'd find a parking and walk 10 minutes in a little path that would bring me to the tower. Not scary at all if you are a trained ranger. As I was walking down the path, I didn't use my flashlight since the full moon was at its full peak. I could see very well and I decided to put on my earphones and listen to some rush. The path brought me the a cliff full of wet and small oak trees. When you walking up the cliff, you can see the weather tower at the top of it. So I didn't have much to walk left to get to my position. As I was scrolling down my iTunes lists, I had this weird feeling in my head. You know the feeling that you are being watched? I actually thought there was something since my area was full of mountain lions and other cute but dangerous creatures. So I decide to pick up the pace and try to get there without getting hunted down by some big cat. Now at a certain point, when you are approaching the tower's territory, some light stick starts lighting up to show you the right path to the right tower. I was going to the weather tower so I follow the right path. The lights are activated with a motion detector, so when I passed one, two couple of lights ahead will light up. That's when I saw something weird, a couple meters down the path, not an even 30 feet from the gate, the light were turning on and off. As if someone was ahead of me. I stopped and took off my earplugs and I yelled. Yo. Who's there? Nothing. The lights turned off. I shrugged it off thinking it was maybe a small animal or something. I walked maybe 5 or 6 meters and the lights at the gate turned on again. Standing in front of the gate, a man. At least from where I was looking, it looked like a guy. I couldn't tell if it was one of the guys from the tower, but there was a guy, standing in front of the gate. I stopped again, 
Annoyed and confused I yelled loudly. Hey man, this is private property, do you work here? Lights turned off again. Now I was getting spooked a little. I decided to pick up my radio and call in my station. But the radio, obviously was dead. As I was about to start walking again, the lights turned on again and the man, was walking up the stairs leading to the entrance of the weather tower. I started running like crazy to try and caught up with him. At that point, I was dead set on talking to the guy. I got to the tower finale. Assuming the guy was inside with my co-workers. Since Therese like 5 minutes between him getting inside and me getting at the bottom of the stairs. I vowed of saw him climb down in between for sure. I was about to open the door to enter the tower and I looked behind me because of the same feeling I had earlier. Convincing myself I was reading too much of no sleep at night, I entered. Hey man, sorry I'm late, where the guy? My co-workers looked at me confused. What guy? I've been alone since you left this morning. So I'm either going crazy, or I actually saw someone and he magically went down the staircase without me noticing it. Either way, that night I was not on a weather watch. December 15th, 2015, Eastern Tower, 6.10 PM Eastern Tower to North Tower, please acknowledge my checkup call, over. That evening was one for the ages. Big snowstorm mixed with some violent wind. I tried to communicate with the Northern Tower since my shift started that morning. I eventually was able to pick up a small but brief okay from them at 10 AM. Normally, we have to call in every two hours to check if everything is going well in our respective area. The Northern Tower would always initiate the call by saying, Northern Tower to Eastern Tower, good morning. Everything is pretty boring up in here and we wish you a disastrous day, over. I would normally reply in fashion, but that day was not like any other day. Something felt off about the storm. Mostly because it came out of nowhere. My radar was showing a nice winter blue sky for the entire day. After their short answer, it seemed like the storm was picking up in Tensibaly, which was the reason with my communication problem with the other tower. Mainly the reasons that nothing was working on that day too. Statics in communications, power bump, power shortage and the Wi-Fi was not working properly. Since I could not reach the tower and I had nothing to do for the next 4 hours, I decided to go in the back room to lay down for a while. I would eventually have to wake up before my replacement comes, so I've set an alarm for 6pm. Something about the peaceful sound of the wind made it easy to simply drift away and sleep. The alarm I have saved was turned off when I woke up. The sound of static was loud in the console, someone was trying to reach me by radio communication. East Tower, this is North Tower, can you repeat your last message? Over. I awkwardly got up, stumbled on my winter boots to finally reach the console. Something was off, I felt something weird inside. Almost as if someone just left the room. But why would they say this? What last message? I slept for nearly 3 hours and I never got up to pee, even more to go play radio with the tower up north. I didn't want it to sound too tired on the mic so I gave myself a couple of slap on my face to try and wake me up a little bit more. With the most obvious I just woke up voice, I replied. North Tower, this is East Tower, I didn't send any call for the past 4 hours, over. Nothing. Only static. Again. I was thanking damn nature, for the pain in the ass day I was having. Eventually, I had no choice to start a malfunction report due to the lack of communication. I hated those reports, probably because I'm a little too much of a lazy person. Coffee in hand, I was sipping and writing my way through my report when the tower lost power. It was pitch black inside. My anxiety reached an all-time high when I could not find any working flashlights. Enraged by the temperature outside, I stumbled around the console trying to look for a potential light source. That's when it happened. A weird clicking sound right next to me, coming from inside the radio monitor. The light from the monitor started to open on and off until the radio completely turned on. The sound of static coming out of the thing started to amplify more and more. Until I succeeded and unplugged the monitor. 
No power and the radio was working? What the hell? My heart was still racing after 10 minutes of me, trying to figure out why, with no power, can a radio turn on? I sat on the main chair and closed my eyes for a moment. I was feeling myself relaxing, the wind blowing on the tour, the snow colliding on the windows. Everything of this place was made to make a man fall asleep. East Tower, help is on the way. Please stay still, over. I jumped the F out off the chair. Chills were going down my spine. No freaking power nor connection to a power source. I reached down for the microphone, sweating due to extreme nope situation I was having. Realizing mid through that the voice was not the same as I remember, it was already too late, I replied briefly. Who's this? I've waited a couple of minutes for an answer. I was getting angry at that point, I grabbed the microphone and I yelled. Who the F is this? What's going on? What's? The communication was cut short. The power was restored miraculously. I plugged in the monitor and started to make a distress call to the Northern Tower. I was freaked out alright. Uck. Northern Tower, this is ut. Eastern Tower. Did you just call me five minutes ago? Over. And his answer, was to this day, the moment when my third eye opened widely, he said. Eastern Tower? Where the hell were you? I tried calling you for the past three days. And I replied. I'm fine, I tried to call you since my shift started 7 ho. What do you mean three days? You've been MIA for the past three days, SAR teams are all over the place. You've placed a distress signal from far up west. Reality can be tricky sometimes. When you work too much and are secluded in one place for a long period of time, you can lose your path a little. But to me, I never lost myself, I fell asleep three hours ago to wake three days later, naked, in a console looking outside the window. A beautiful blue summer sky. No clouds in the area, only the beautiful sight of nature of the Canadian wilderness. Birds were singing that morning and I could see. Wait where's the snow? It's. It's December? The most terrifying night I have ever experienced was when my mother-in-law bought me a night vision scope for Christmas. We had a lot of deer that would come through the backyard. I shut off all of the lights in the house and opened up the back door hoping to see a deer. What I saw was a full-blown skeleton in detail about 10 yards away. I could see every little detail ribs, eye sockets teeth and everything. The skeleton was noticed me and it slowly turned its head and made eye contact with me. It transformed into a ball of energy and bounced away. I immediately walked to exactly where it was standing and it was looking through the French doors to my bedroom as my wife was laying in bed. I lost my shit after that. I'm telling you every bit of this is true. Cheers. Two things first one not to weird because science. But at night if you look down where the will big propeller that pushes boat, is churning in the water these strange lights happen. Blue purple lights. I think it's static electricity released. Next the matrix code. I literally saw it. Imagine a storm wind howling and blowing about 60 miles per hour. I was outside with my back to the house where the bridge galley and bunks are. When the storms are that bad you go right into the wind. So the back of the house is the safest place to stand. I was facing towards the stern back there was rain coming down through the sodium's giant lights illuminating the back deck. The wind was blowing the rain at high rates of speed. This created that effect where it looked to be falling slowly. Mixed with exhaustion the rain looked exactly like the matrix code. Not shitting you. Former Navy here. Huge storms where the waves towered over the ship, glowing oceans at midnight, but the creepiest is something entirely different. While underway, we always keep dark ship conditions at night. No exterior lights at all. Walking out on the deck at night you can see every flash of starlight on the waves as we pass. One night, I went on the deck for a bit of air and to watch the stars. I started to feel uneasy, 
like if a person is standing right behind you. I looked at the water, and there was a huge empty space next to the ship. Couldn't see water, wave tips or even the frothy wake of the ship. Just a big oval dark patch. No sound, no light reflecting, nothing. I stood there staring until it finally just shrunk and disappeared, like it had submerged. There were no submarines nearby and it didn't make any splash, wave or noise at all. I was in the sea, as a commercial diver lifting rocks and pumping gravel on the west coast of South Africa on my first diamond diving gig. I was on my second working dive fresh out getting my class 2 mixed gas ticket and me and my new housemate and diver that took me under his wing were a little bit hungover for a 7am dive in shallow water, I was young, I could handle a hungover dive back then, now it would likely kill me, dehydration and diving is a huge no-no. Shallow water sucks for this kind of diving because there is plenty of surge, we were only a meager 15 meters on the bottom most of the time. The swell was so large that the depth would vary, meaning rapid equalizing and rapid exhalations timed with the waves so that you don't get a bad ear squeeze or an embolism. When I jumped into the water I was looking into a beautiful peeling barrel some 40 meters off, I remember thinking WTF am I doing? Anyway, so this swell was providing an interesting challenge, we could not do our jobs because the suction hoses were flailing wildly even when weighted down by drums filled with rocks. I had my legs wrapped around the pipe and held onto the handles near the nozzle and it was a rodeo on one of the Kraken's tentacles. My new buddy was worse off on the hangover and was doing the same, it proved too much for him and something happened that I will never forget, as we were taking this crazy ride on the Squidatron 5000 I saw him take one hand of the nozzle and take his DV out and vomit into the water put his DV back and gave me two thumbs up. In commercial diving thumbs up means a-okay, motioning your thumbs upward a few times means you're going to surface. The cloud of puke was quite swiftly set upon by a school of small fish. Most surreal thing I have seen next to seeing a bull shark take a massive shit cloud next to me.